Welcome. You are listening to the Smoky Acres podcast. I'm your host, Charlie, and this is the podcast about my imperfect journey to a homestead lifestyle and lowering my environmental footprint. Hi, how is everyone doing today? I hope you're having a great Friday and you'll have a great, had a great rest of the weekend because I suppose it is Monday now when you're listening to this, but it's Friday when I'm recording it. I'm waiting for Kyle to get home so we can head up north. We're going to go up to my friend Sam's cabin for the weekend on Rainy Lake, which is one of my favorite places ever. I grew up the first, like, I think maybe 10 years? I can't remember. Majority of my younger years of my life were spent in International Falls, so I kind of say that's where I grew up. And although we lived in town, the majority of my friends lived on the lake, and, like, my best friend, Maria, from when I was younger, she lived on Rainy Lake, and I have so many good memories of being on the lake up there with her and her home and I also my I mentioned in the last episode too that my great grandma owned a cabin on Rainy Lake and I have other relatives that own cabins on Rainy Lake as well so it's a, just like a very nostalgic place for me and I don't know if Kyle's been up there we haven't been up there together He's maybe been up there fishing or something, but we've never been up to Rainy Lake together, so I'm just really excited to go up there and spend some time with our friends in a beautiful place, and hopefully the weather will be nice. It was just my friend Laura's birthday um, two days ago, and then it's Bailey's birthday tomorrow, and so we're going to go spend the weekend with them and kind of celebrate their birthday and just spend some time on the lake and everything, so... I am looking forward to it and wanted to get this recorded ahead of time. So, um, first thing first, I'm going to pour myself another cup of coffee because I need it. I am feeling pretty tired today. The day after working a couple days in a row, super early shifts, the next day it just is a little difficult for me to wake up and feel like I'm being productive. I'll always end up sleeping in a little bit, and then it seems like whenever I sleep in, I am more tired for some reason. So, trying to wake up before we have to make a few hour drive up north. Today, I'm coming on here to talk about the super exciting topic of composting, everyone's favorite thing. (laughs) It's not the most glamorous subject, but... I know that I have mentioned it multiple times when I'm talking about environmental issues or lowering your waste um, output, so I thought it was important to just come on here and kind of talk about like what is composting instead of me just being like, you should compost. This is more just going to be your basic information on how to get started, what it is, why I do it, why I think more people should do it, and then how it's actually a lot more accessible than I think people think it is. I feel like a lot of people think they have to have a lot of property or be gardeners or farmers in order to compost and that's just not the case. So first things first, what is composting? In its most simple, def- simplest definition, 
it'd be just decomposed organic matter. So things that you would typically throw in your garbage can made out of organic materials like your food scraps and whatnot, those get put into a container, they start to decompose and become soil. And it's a very high in nutrient soil and so it can be referred to, I saw in multiple different articles when I was just looking up some basic information as soil conditioner, you're basically adding nutrients and other things back into the soil to make it healthier again when you are putting in composting. So that's why gardeners will compost and then they will till in their composted materials into their soil for their garden the next year so that they get healthier vegetables and they're not depleting the soil of all the nutrients. So that's why gardeners do it. But basically, it is just nature's way of recycling. And it's helpful too for erosion control and like I said, adding things back into the soil that we're taking out. And just to have it be, these natural materials be put back into the earth in a healthy way versus being brought to a landfill in a plastic bag and then sitting there for who knows how long and producing tons of methane gas and just not being properly put back into the earth. It Composting is just a more roundabout way of living and actually makes more logistical sense if you think about it than putting your carrot scraps in a plastic garbage bag and putting them in a hole in the ground, you know? First, I will address the people that are maybe wanting to start composting on their own piece of property. If you own a home with a small backyard or you own a couple acres or a lot of acreage, um, I'm just going to kind of address that first and how you can get started composting there and then kind of that will entail the basics of composting as well. And then at the end, I'll dive more into what you can do if you live in an apartment or in a city and ways you can compost in those areas as well. So first off, if you are wanting to start composting, you need to know the basics of what you can and can't compost. And you also need a spot to put the compost. First thing first, Find a spot where you want to put your compost bin or container or your compost pile, whatever method you are deciding to use, you need to find a location for it. And there's a few things to think about when you are choosing a location, um, and that can be proximity to your house. And there's kind of two sides to that. One side is you want it relatively close so that you don't have to walk super far away in order to drop off your food scraps. So, especially in Minnesota here with our winters, you, I highly doubt you want to walk a half mile down some trail in your woods to drop off your compost when it's negative 20 outside. So, you have to kind of think about that. Where are you going to want to walk to on a regular basis? On the other hand, you don't want it butted up right against your house, most likely, for a couple of reasons. One, smell. You don't want to be walking out your front door every single day and smell decomposing organic materials. 
it doesn't have the most pleasant smell and you don't want that to be the first thing your guests smell when they come to your house or the first thing that you smell when you leave your house in the morning. You also have to keep in mind animals. There's different animals that are going to come scavenging for food and they're going to smell your food scraps in your compost bin and they're going to come check it out. And maybe you have a great bin that is secure and your bear is not going to tip it over or your raccoons aren't going to climb in it or what have you. But you also have to keep in mind if you have like dogs or anything like that that can be going outside, you don't really want animals right up against your house. You don't want a bear trying to open up your compost bin and scratching up this, your wall or anything like that. Um, you also want to think about if the sun exposure. It's highly recommended that you put your compost bin in a somewhat shady area. For example, we had a compost bin on the side of our garage and what I did take into account was the when the sun moved that it was going to spend the second half of the day completely in sunshine. The bin is black and it was just getting so smelly because it was getting so hot. We're basically like cooking everything in our compost bin. And then too, it was on the side of our garage. We're going back and forth past it. When we go to and from our cars, it was getting really smelly. There was lots of flies. And so we're like, okay, we have to move this. Although we thought it was gonna be a great spot for this compost bin, it was not ideal. So we ended up moving it to a shadier location. It still maintains the amount of heat that it needs to to compost, but it's not in direct sunlight all day long. So that's something you want to think about too. Um, and then yeah, like I said, foraging animals. You just want to make sure that it's not in a place that you don't want the raccoons in your neighborhood to be that close to your house or to get into other things as well. So there's just a couple things to think about when you are choosing a location. Now you can always move your compost pile as well or move your compost bin if it ends up not being the greatest spot. If you have just like a small backyard, maybe you put it in the back corner of your yard underneath like a tree or next to a bush or something. You could put some cute landscaping around it. You could disguise it in a way too that it's not just some big ugly compost bin sitting up taking up a corner of your backyard. Um, so there's ways to go about it too where it's not an eyesore. With our property there is we have various projects and various things all around. It's not a big deal to me if my compost bin is not the most aesthetically pleasing compost bin. Um, we have a couple different ones. We have a rotating one, which is basically just a barrel that's tipped on its side, put on legs on the sides of it, and has a handle so that we can crank it and turn it instead of using like a pitchfork or a shovel or something to manually turn the soil. This one I can just turn the handle every time I add something in there to help mix it up. And that's over by our chicken coop. And then we have, I'm trying to think, we have a couple different ones too. We have one spot that is just a lot of like yard waste and dirt. There's a big hole in our ground randomly and we just kind of started packing that with 
grass clippings and soil. I think there we when we mucked out uh, Amity, our goats, little barn area, we put a lot of the hay and goat poop in that hole as well. So all things that are compostable and that will just naturally help fill in that hole in our ground. I also have just a compost pile in the center of my garden. There was an area in the very center that was very rooty. There was like a stump there and stuff and so I wasn't going to be able to plant so we decided to make that a compost pile and that's literally all it is is just a pile and when we mucked out the chicken coop everything from there plus stuff from inside our house and I just manually turned that pile to help things break down and then come the time when it's comp completely composted which it's getting there really fast but I will just kind of spread that throughout my whole entire garden to help bring nutrients back into the soil. So that's the plan for that one. So after figuring out where it's going to be, you also need to think about how you're going to go about it. And I just kind of addressed some of the different ways. Like you can have a rotating compost bin, which is really handy because you're not having to manually turn the soil with a shovel. Or you can have kind of like a three section system. They're usually like wood bins and you rotate the soil through them. So you have one that you are actively putting compost material in and then you kind of let that turn over and you transfer it to the next one and you start working on that one. By the time you're done filling the middle one, the one on the left will start to be more composted and then once the center one's getting full, you start on the next one and then you basically have like a progression of soil happening and that's kind of how our friends Marcy and Brian go about theirs. That's a very popular way to go about composting because then you have some ready to go compost and some that you just put veggie scraps in that morning or something. That's a great way to go about it. You can do just one singular bin that you build too, like if you are handy and you want to build your own. You can also buy um, various metal, plastic, wood containers on the internet if you really want to. Yeah, so you can buy them on Amazon from Lowe's, it looks like, Home Depot, and they are going to run anywhere from like $50 to just over $100 based on the kind of style you're looking for. It does look like the ones that rotate are pretty common on here. Oh, here's an article, the 10 best compost tumblers. So let's see here, best high-end one, should we see what the first one is? Alright, the number one eco-friendly choice that's constructed from 100% post-consumer recycled polypropylene with galvanized steel for frame for longevity. Holds 37 gallons in two compartments and has a door that slides open easily. Adjustable air vents resistant to UV rays. Affordable, affordably priced for the size. It's called the FCMP Outdoor and it's approximately $89. I don't know anything about that one. That is just the number one recommended in this specific article. But yeah, it's definitely something that's super accessible in that aspect 
and there's no wrong way to go about composting and it's not necessarily something that takes a whole lot of effort. You do have to keep an eye on it, make sure compost requires aeration. So just making sure that you are turning that pile, getting it all mixed up. But then things like earthworms, there's you can do the, um, what is it called? Like verma composting, where you add worms to help your composting go quicker. You, I know in my pile, in my garden I get lots of different fungi and mushrooms and those are all helping to compost that material as well so there's different things that you can do to help it get along but things this is like the earth's natural way of doing it things are gonna compost things are gonna rot and compost and come soil eventually it's gonna happen um, ways you can really I guess mess up composting is not having enough green versus brown materials in your compost. Um, and what that basically means is you don't have, you either have too much carbon or too much nitrogen. So if you think of green materials, these are going to be your food scraps from fruits and vegetables, your eggshells, and then your Brown materials are going to be more like your grass clippings, your leaves that you rake up in the fall, things like that. So you just need to make sure that you have a good like 50-50 balance, like coffee grounds are going to be high in nitrogen, so that's a good way to balance things out, but you can also have way too many coffee grounds if you're someone like me and you just like drink tons and tons of coffee. So. You just have to keep somewhat of a balance, but it doesn't, it's not like down to specific science where you're like weighing everything out. You just want to make sure that there's some of each. So if you have like lots of vegetable scraps, maybe you make sure that you get your leaves in there. And when you're starting a compost bin as well, you see a lot of people will lay, put down a layer of leaves or grass clippings and then they put in, start piling in their home compost items and then they'll throw some more leaves on the top or more grass clippings on the top and they just try to layer it so that it helps get a good proper mixture of the, of the green and the brown aspects of it. Good combination of carbon and nitrogen. With that being said, you can't really mess up nature's way of decomposing so it's not something that is gonna, it's not rocket science basically. You're not having to break it down, do math, like take care of it like a pet in your home. You have to keep an eye on it, make sure that you're not just putting only potato peels in there or something. But as long as you're keeping a good balance and keep somewhat of an eye on it from day to day, it will work just fine. Now that you have a compost bin system and you have a location for it, you kind of have to know what you can and can't put in your compost bin. And like I said, you want that balance of carbon versus nitrogen, but what specifically are those items? So everything, like most food scraps are going to be compostable. Your vegetable peels and your fruit scraps. Um, a lot of mine I end up feeding to the goats or the chickens, like I just cut up a watermelon today to bring up to the cabin 
and I the two sides of the watermelon rind I just went and brought out in the chicken coop to keep them busy this weekend while we're gone so they absolutely love watermelon and there's a little bit left over in there plus the juices and they will eat that thing down to like the thinnest little rinds they absolutely love watermelon so I brought that out to them but that I could put in my compost as well your eggshells from eggs can absolutely go in your compost bin you might want to crush them up a little bit that will just help um, we also tend to feed most of our eggshells back to our chickens we crush them up but so that they can't recognize that it's an eggshell because otherwise they'll start eating their eggs um, whole eggs that they lay so you want to just make sure they're crushed up really well but that kind of get add some calcium back in their diet so again that doesn't necessarily go in my compost but you can absolutely put eggshells in your compost I mentioned too that coffee grounds can go in your compost it's a great way of adding some nitrogen back into your compost if you think that you're a little nitrogen depleted um, all your yard waste so leaves grass clippings um, I mean that's basically what you usually have maybe like a dead house plant if you're like me and you kill anything that lives indoors basically <laughs> those could go in there you do want to make sure though that like you are mindful of what sort of plants go into your compost because I have some tomatillo plants that have started growing in my compost pile I must have threw them in there after last season and now I have tomatillos out in my compost pile so that's kind of interesting too just you have to keep in mind that you're planning on mixing in this compost into your garden that you might end up with some unwanted plants the next year I think that's too is what happened in my tiered gardens out here I think I added some compost or just some um, random soil that I had used and I ended up with a squash plant and a tomato plant in the middle of my dill and in the middle of my basil. I don't know where they came from. Oh, and beets. A bunch of beets. So I have those popping up, which are welcome. I left them because I was like, why not? If I get more squash or more beets, I'm all for it. So I just kind of let them do their thing. But you just have to keep that in mind when you're putting different plants and stuff in your compost that they might come back next year. You can also, we have a compost bin in our bathroom. And if you go back and you listen to an earlier episode when I talk about trying to have the goal of a zero waste bathroom, we put a compost bin in our bathroom. And that has basically eliminated any sort of garbage that we would collect in our bathroom. Think Toilet paper, Kleenex, um, cotton ear swabs or cotton balls, hair from like if you have hair from your brush or something or you, if you clean up hair off the counter or something, those can all go in the compost bin. So we collect our compost in our bathroom and then that goes into our compost bins as well. And then some paper products. Now not all paper products, but like I said, toilet paper, Kleenex, those can go in your compost. Um, if I've cleaned up a mess or something with paper towel, I will add some of that into my compost, such as like I had made such a mess with cutting up that watermelon 
and the towel that I had out, I had just put out, so I didn't want to use that towel on the watermelon. So I just grabbed a piece of paper towel, and that was completely soaked in watermelon juice and everything. So I threw that in my compost bin, but on the other hand, if my dog pees in the house and I use paper towel to clean that up, I'm not putting that in my compost bin because that's something that isn't compostable, is pet waste. So we'll kind of... So just to summarize what you can go in your compost, it's most of your food scraps. You think of natural materials. So even some like cottons and linens, like clothes, if they're really worn out, you have to pay attention to make sure that it isn't some sort of like cotton blend or something. But those are also compostable. Um, a lot of packaging nowadays can be compostable too. So a lot of the products that I get in the mail are either recyclable or compostable. Um, so things that you cannot compost, like I said, pet waste. So although I can put my goat poop and my chicken poop in my compost, I'm not putting my dog poop in my compost bin and I am not putting cat litter in my compost bin. Those things are a no, that you do not want them in there. Um, most animal products in general. Besides eggshells, um, you don't want any sort of dairy products. So you don't want like cheese or milk, yogurt. You don't want um, meat or bones. Like if you got a rotisserie chicken or something, you don't want to put that into your compost. A lot of that is because of scavenging animals that are around um, and then it also disrupts the chemical process of composting and I don't know how to fully explain that in a proper way I just know that I'm not supposed to put it in my compost bin now I'm not as strict about that sometimes like if I have oatmeal let's say and I put some milk or something I mixed into my oatmeal I will still and I have leftover oatmeal there's milk in there I will still put that leftover oatmeal into my compost bin that's not gonna hurt it but you don't want to put like a whole giant container of yogurt into your compost bin I guess and I don't really know why that is I just know that that's what the internet has told me so if you don't think that's true or you think some you've heard something different definitely let me know um, but that's just like what I've come across is just to not put those things in there you also don't want to put um, oils or grease in your compost bin as well so if you fried up a bunch of fish and you have leftover grease and batter and whatnot you don't want to put that into your compost bin again because of animals and again, because of the chemical process of it, um, you don't, yeah, so any sort of oils or grease you do not want in your compost. There are so many amazing YouTube videos out there, whether it is how to layer your compost bin, how to build a compost bin, the best spots to put one, or what can or cannot go in a compost bin. There's so many great YouTube videos out there and there's been a couple of times that Kyle and I have gone down a rabbit hole watching them. If you have some unanswered questions after this episode, 
and you want to know a little bit more, that is where I will send you. This is just kind of your basic information, and I am no expert. Now, ways you can collect your compost. So, the way we go about it, we have a couple old ice cream pails in that we keep on top of our refrigerator, and we fill those, and then once those are full, we just bring them out to our bigger compost bin and empty them into there. Um, couple things, we don't have many issues because our compost bin tends to fill up pretty fast. So it's being taken out to our bigger compost bin pretty regularly. On the other hand, you can run into issues with smells. So if you don't go through that much and it's going to be a while before you've taken it out, my recommendation is to keep either a closed container compost bin or you can also keep it in your freezer. The freezer will help stop any sort of smells in your compost bin. Um, it keeps it off your counter as well. And then when that compost goes into your bigger bin and thaws, it actually helps break down those materials and they'll compost faster. So that's a really smart way to do it is to keep your compost bin in your freezer. And that's actually what my grandpa Lance does he had an old ice cream pail that he kept in his freezer and that's where all his compost went. I have one of those chest freezers, like the pull-out ones, and so an ice cream bin doesn't really fit all that well in that freezer, so that just hasn't been an option. Um, another thing too is right now it's fruit fly season and Although I keep scrubbing my kitchen, I still have fruit flies that keep popping up. So right now my compost bin, my smaller container, like my ice cream bucket, lives right outside my front door because I am not trying to keep any sort of food scraps in my house and trying to minimize the amount of fruit flies that are around and just flies in general because there is maybe nothing I hate worse than fruit flies. They drive me absolutely crazy. I think they are so disgusting. So my compost bin is not inside my house right now. I hope I've covered most of the bases when it comes to composting. I do feel like I'm forgetting something, but I can't really put my finger on it. So I'm just going to dive into what you can do if you're looking into composting. But let's say you live in a city or in a duplex or apartment you don't have your own plot of land, you don't even know what you would do with your compost once it's done. Um, for those who do have land, you can just like start a little raised garden, add your compost in there every year, or you could spread it along the edges or in your landscaping when it becomes soil. There's a lot, like you can just basically spread it around. Um, you could bag it up, give it to your garden fr gardening friends when it's all fully composted and it is a nice black soil, you can give it away. There's definitely options for that, but for those who don't have a yard or a little garden or anything, it's more like, okay, I composted my food scraps and now what do I do with it? So there are many, many cities that have citywide composting or an organics recycling facility. Um, I saw a 2010 article, so now we're 
that's kind of out of date, but they said over 90 U.S. cities provide food waste collection now. So I imagine that number is quite higher. I could not find what that number is now, but you have to imagine that it's much higher than it was a decade ago. So if you live in a major city, there more than likely is a program that can come and collect your food waste, almost like they do for your regular garbage or your uh, recycling. I know that there's a facility in Shakopee, Minnesota, Mankato, Minnesota, and St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, those were the first three that came up as bigger facilities for food waste collection. And my Aunt Caroline was actually just talking about how they started doing organics recycling and they live in the Hastings, Minnesota area. So that's something too, I would just look into if there is a collection option for you. And a lot of times they'll bring you a bin like they would if you sign up for a garbage service and you collect all your food waste and your home. And then once a month or every couple weeks, they'll come and collect your food waste for you and they bring it to a site to do the composting. I do believe Duluth has some sort of system as well, but I honestly could not find that much information. I know I've done tours at WSSLD. I think those are the letters. The weight treatment center, and it's the water treatment center here that also collects garbage, and they do have giant composting piles. I don't know how you sign up for it or where that information is, but you could maybe look it up. So I do believe Duluth has some sort of system. It might be that you have to go and drop it off yourself. Um, it's a little out of the way, but I mean you could just do that like a once a month trip or something. It won't be that big of a deal. You can also just get creative. If you have a little patio, put out some little raised boxes or planter bins or something and use your compost in that. You can also maybe try to have some sort of relationship with someone local or a local farm see if they'll if you compost it will they collect it or will they collect your food scraps for you they might not that might not be an option but it doesn't hurt to look into it and ask if it's something that you're really wanting to do but like I said most cities major cities are gonna have some sort of food waste collection or organics recycling so you just have to look into it. Now you may ask, why would I do that when I can just put this into my garbage and my garbage service will take it? Like why would I pay for an additional service? Um, so one main reason that gets me is like the environmental aspect of it. The EPA statistic is that the average American creates four and a half pounds of trash per day. And 20 to 30% of that is food scraps, things that would easily compost. We're putting into plastic bags, putting into a trash can, and then they get put into a landfill. Plus, a lot of times that's brought somewhere else that's put on a barge and then put in a landfill. And then you're having all the, everything that, all the emissions from your garbage being transferred, and then it just is sitting in plastic in a landfill where it's taking forever to break down and our landfills produce so much methane gas that even if you whatever your stance is on climate change 
that's a nat that's just something that naturally happens when you have all that stuff in one space it's going to produce a lot of methane and that's not good whether you think that is ruining the earth or not is besides the point there are ways to lower that methane gas that's one aspect of it is just trying to lower the amount of waste that you have since Kyle and I have been composting at our home we barely fill up enough garbage to put in our garbage can every week when our garbage service comes. We may, we have really small garbage bags. We buy these compostable garbage bags or like bio, no, they're biodegradable garbage bags. And our hope too is that they'll break down faster when they are in landfills. Um, but we maybe fill one of those a week and it's not like an average size garbage bag. It's smaller than that. Everything else is either recycling, like cans and cardboard boxes, or goes into our compost. So we have very little waste, and so it feels like less effort on our side of things. We're having to bring the garbage out less, we're having to not deal with having a stinky garbage in our house all the time. Um, we save money on having a smaller garbage can. So we have like the smallest garbage can that our garbage service provides, but you can get a couple different bigger sizes. They Those cost more. Um, and then we're just like lowering our waste. It just, and the goal would be too, is to not have any sort of garbage service at all. So then you're just dropping off your recycling every once in a while. There's ways to go about it that might seem like more work, but if you actually compare it, it's either equal to or less than. And although you're paying a little extra money for someone to come and pick up your food waste, perhaps, you're also going to be like saving money on the amount of garbage bags that you buy, or maybe you can get a smaller garbage can, or having to just take the trash out less. You know, there's just a lot of, it's all about your perspective of it. And I think it's not helpful to dwell on the fact like, oh, I have to pay $10 a month for this food collection, or why would I put in the effort, or I think a compost bin is an eyesore. I don't think it's helpful to sit there and dwell on those things. And it's just, it's so much easier to compost than I think most people think. I don't know. Those are my thoughts about it, and I'm a little tired today, so hopefully that wasn't too rambly and, like, made a little bit of sense. I barely have gone through this cup of coffee here because I've been just talking, so. Hopefully there's something in this episode that made you feel like composting was way more attainable for you and something that you would maybe want to do in the future. If you have any questions at all about how to get started or you want to see pictures of what our composting system looks like, by all means, message me on Instagram. If you have my personal number, let me know. I am more than happy to help you figure it out, and I really just think it should be something that we naturally do, like bringing out our garbage or bringing out our recycling. It should just be something that we all have to do. We all have to compost our organic materials. And so I just want to make it seem like it's something that we all can do and something that we all probably should do. So if you need help, let me know. 
And other than that, I hope you all have a lovely rest of your week. Thanks for listening, and please subscribe and like, share this podcast, comment and review. All those things are super helpful to get this podcast out there a little bit more and give me some helpful feedback of what you think of the podcast. Follow on Instagram at Smoky Acre Farm. And to stay up to date on everything that we're doing around here, we're in the middle of a bathroom renovation, so I'll talk about that somewhat soon when we get that all finished. Or you can see the photos Kyle's probably going to post here in a little bit of the motorcycle he just bought. So follow us on Instagram, and thanks for listening to the podcast. I will talk to you all next week. I hope you have a great rest of your night. Bye-bye.